Welcome one and all to episode 188 of the original Draft Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, this is, well, the kickoff to season four. Uh, we're giving you guys a, a brief preview of what's to come before we take a little hiatus for for june we'll have more on that later on in the month and, and give you guys some information and everything but and then uh and then we'll hit it back in july as we get going with our our general conference previews getting to know the teens and, and that stuff but tonight we kick off the 2024 season with well some names to know that you may not have heard quite yet but before we get going how are you doing justin I'm doing well. Um, and as Seth alluded to, we're probably going to take a little break from the free show in uh, June, but we'll still have some stuff going up on, on the Patreon. So trust me when I say now is a great time to subscribe to the Patreon. Uh, two bucks a month will get you every bonus episode we've ever done. Four bucks a month will get you every piece of content we've ever done. And um, last week we uh, did not do a show, but we did do a Patreon-only article which is kind of what we're going to discuss a little bit tonight. And then we'll have another bonus episode later this week. So um, like I said, now's a good time to join. Um, these are names people probably have heard, at least the hardcore draft Knicks, um, especially our listeners, because some of them are going to know some of these names, uh, at least one I can think of we've been talking about for years. And uh, then some of the other ones are pretty interesting. And uh, we've got some some guys with uh, NFL bloodlines. You know, this is a pretty good uh, group, but we we tried to pick guys that weren't showing up in that generally weren't showing up in the first round early mocks. Maybe you've seen them one or two of those guys, these guys in there, but uh, we'll go through about five each, and um, I'll probably throw out some other names that I considered when I was compiling my list. Yep, and I'll start it off uh, with a corner that, you know, is probably going to get some love and, and go up the rankings. It's always interesting to go back to because I, I like to go back to their their 24-7 profile. Um, we were told that doesn't school, matter. So. Right. <laughs> to go, you know, go back and take a look uh, because of how much their size changes and, and – uh, this the first one's um, going to be Jason Marshall Jr. He is going to be a junior coming out of Florida, part of their 2021 class. Crazy to think we're talking 2021, 20, you know, <laughs> right? Freshman, <laughs> like it's man, it's gone quick. Um, I won't even and, tell you what year uh, high school reunion that was in, for me in 2021. Right. And so you've got uh, a guy that, you know, came into Florida as a five star. He was the number three cornerback in the country, uh, number five overall player out of Florida, which means he's good. Right. Like Florida, that's a hotbed for college football, I believe, or high school football. Um, but they list him at six two one eighty. Now on his on his Florida profile, they list him at six foot one ninety one, which so is probably fine. six foot. Yeah, six foot's fine. Yeah. Uh, one hundred ninety-one pounds. He's probably right around one ninety. Um, you know, you look at it. Obviously, his freshman year. I don't want to say we discount those, but you know, it's one of those things that unless you watched every single snap they played, like you take their numbers with a grain of salt, just because it's, a lot of it is just simply um, them getting their feet wet. They may have played games against the, you know, the FCS opponents as opposed to the FBS opponents. Um, they may have gotten bench during the, you know, main games, or they may have just been special teams contributors in those games. So, so, you know, his freshman year, he had three passes, defense, one interception. That's actually not bad for, for a true freshman uh, coming, you know, 18 year old coming out of high school right. playing in the SEC. Uh, last the field year, is good, right? Right, exactly. Last year, he follows it up. He goes for eight passes, defense, one interception, slightly under our one per game rule. But that's kind of what's got me intrigued is you had the you had a good jump from year one to two. Uh big physical guy he's supposed to be a, a guy that's in the low four fives high four fours um 
as of now. So we'll see where he ends up. You know, obviously we take all these numbers with a grain of salt. Um, but this is a guy that was a, a, a two-way standout at a, at a floor. Yeah. At a Florida powerhouse uh, high school. And so the, the question now becomes, what does he, you know, how does he take that next step? Is he going to be a guy in a program that's really been fledgling? And I'm actually surprised he did not transfer. Um, I, I, Love to get your opinion on that. Um, if he believes in what what uh, Billy Napier is building there, or you know what, but he is, you know, he's their best returning defensive back. Um, I would say probably unquestionably uh, this year, and so it'll be interesting to see what kind of jump he makes this year. Yeah, I think I think guys tend to stick around the big programs. Um, when they're getting to playing time and um, yeah, like you said, if there's some buy-in to the program, it's, he's, you know, Marshall's already getting that playing time as a true sophomore. Um, He seems to be on solid footing. Uh, They're, they're not recruiting at the level of, you know, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, or these schools yet where they're going to have a lot of competition. So I feel like he can feel pretty comfortable in his role and in getting a lot of playing time. So it's, it seems to me when guys are highly recruited and, and kind of behind other highly recruited guys and, and a little bit buried on the depth chart or maybe coming off injuries, that's when they tend to transfer and go into the portal. Or especially if you look at the quarterbacks and receivers, if they think they can um, you know, up their profile by going to, to a bigger school. Um, I don't think we've seen it to that level with the d- defensive backs. So it seems to me that's that's my take on why he wouldn't have transferred. And it seems to me like he's on pretty good footing. And they've got some they've got some players coming back. You know, Florida just it, it's going to help Napier in his recruiting if he can, you know, have a a strong record, a good year two. It's going to help him that he just had a quarterback drafted in the top four, right? Right, exactly. So you expect him to continue to build on this, and, and it's yeah, he's got to win. <laughs> he's got to win right. games. If they if they went go six and six or six and seven or whatever, um, guys are going to transfer out. But um, I think, generally speaking, coach, it's good to see coaches hold on to their their best players in year two. If they're not, that's probably a huge red flag. Right. Who's your uh, one of your first guys? So, I, of course, I'm going to go with an Ohio State guy. And I'm, uh, I I joked with the patrons, I could could fill this list with Ohio State guys. But um, I started out with uh, wide receiver Emeka Egbuka from Ohio State. And here's the, the, the thing is, uh, he was actually the number one receiver in the 2021 recruiting class. Everybody is hyping up Marvin Harrison Jr. with – Good cause. You know, many people expect Marvin Harrison Jr. might be the highest drafted receiver since Calvin Johnson, or at, at least since uh, A.J. Green and Julio Jones went in the top six in that draft. But Egbuka actually was the higher rated recruit, according to 247 and, and pretty much every site across the board. In fact, he was about 20 slots ahead of Harrison just at the position just at the receiver position. So if you can wrap your head around that, Marvin Harrison Jr. was the 21st rated receiver in that class, in that 2021 class, according to the composite at 247. Um, and Egbuka, he's not as tall, as not as big as uh, Harrison, although he's thicker. He's built like more of a more compact, kind of big slot type of receiver at 6'1", 205 pounds, maybe 210. He's he's a pretty solidly built dude. And they are saying he's probably going to run in the four threes. So we could see, uh, this is a scenario we could see again, a replay of the uh, 2022 draft where two Ohio State receivers were drafted in the top, in the first round. Okay. Um, we know Garrett Wilson and Olave both went in the top 11 in that draft. I'm not quite sure... Egbuka is going to make his way up into that range, but 
he caught 74 passes last year for 1151 yards and 10 scores so he's he's definitely no slouch if you if he really can run a sub 4-4 he's going to vault into that range so it, Ohio State is just cranking out receivers left and right it's pretty remarkable at this point and um a lot of that credit goes to Brian Hartline who's just done a fantastic job recruiting receivers helping them develop um, we see it year in and year out. Ohio State is, is just churning out receivers, even to the point where some of their receivers will go elsewhere and succeed like Jameson Williams did, going to uh, to Alabama and having a fantastic year there. So I had to put Emeka Agbuka on this list. He is in some of these early first-round mocks, but not all of them, and I think he should be. Number Another guy on my list, a guy that was you know highly, highly ranked coming out of that 20 uh he was 21 i believe as well right yeah the 21 class um is now at penn state started his career at maryland that's uh chop robinson i what is it demian chop robinson yeah i've heard uh, i've heard it pronounced damian demian uh, damian uh, we'll okay. call chop yeah we'll go with chop that's what he goes by um and you know he he had a nice freshman season again at at Penn State finishing with or at, excuse me at Maryland two and a half tackles for loss two sacks he makes the transfer to Penn State obviously transfers up in what you would say um, you know even though they're both in the Big Ten uh, Penn State eleven and two finished seventh in the in the country this year uh, very very talented program and. He finished second on the team in sacks. Uh, you know, Chop Robinson came in, listed at 6'4", 250. Penn State now lists him at 6'3", 240. So, again, you know, we get, we get a little little uh, variance there on his frame. It'll be interesting to see what he comes in at. But hey, they had a guy come out about that size who's turned out to be a pretty good pass rusher in the pros. Right, exactly. But we know that these guys get juiced up at Penn State in terms of uh, testing and and that stuff. So, uh, you know, I expect Chop figuratively to be speaking. So yeah, figuratively speaking. Also, uh, Maryland's no slouch when it comes to athletic testing and uh, their strength and training program. No, but so he went from you know, one to two. He went from like one one B to one A, I think, in terms of levels of of strength and training programs. Right, and and you look at it just being able to go to Penn State as a as a sophomore, and ends up, you know, being able to play a lot. Finished with ten tackles for loss, five and a half sacks. He also had two passes defense, one fumble or and one forced fumble and one fumble recovery. So I mean, a guy that in his first full kind of off season with the team, just in terms of you know going from being a guy that transferred into now a guy that's been in the system a full calendar year, it's going to be really intriguing to see what steps are next for him because this is a guy that we could be talking about as as a potential first rounder just with his athletic profile and, and size. And then, you know, if he continues to build on that, uh, on that second year, uh, breakout he had yeah and we are seeing chop robinson in some of the early first round mocks but again not all of them and it's it's funny because you you can be a pass rusher from penn state and have no sacks and actually work your way into the top 32 picks as we saw with uh odafe owe a couple of years ago right uh, under more unique circumstances i'm saying that jokingly but um it seemed to work out pretty well, at least in early on. You know, I think they'd like a little bit more out of OA going forward. And I think that that's going to be expectation. But um, you can see the, the respect that NFL scouts have for some of these programs and uh, the players coming out. So it, the thing is, if Chop is 6'3", 240, I think a few years ago that would have been a, a deterrent. But again, when you look at what Micah Parsons has done, um, transitioning from off the ball linebacker where they had him working at Penn State now to where he's going to be a full-time 
pass rusher, defensive end for the Cowboys, and he's actually adding bulk at this point. People are going to start to look at, at players like that. And and um, and we, we talked about that coming into the 2023 draft with some of those prospects too, because there were some definitely undersized pass rushers who still went early in that draft. So um, I think size is going to be a talking point with Chop Robinson, but probably not going to be um, one that, that sabotages his draft status. Who's your number two guy? I went to, I stuck in the big 10, you know, we're, we're we got a lot of big 10 guys. Know, in this one. You know, and, and I, you know, I can't speak for you. You're out in Arizona, but that's what I see a lot early in the day here in, in uh, Chicago land. But I went with Cooper Dijon from, uh, Iowa, the defensive back, he's so versatile. He's a guy who played uh, everywhere. He was starting at linebacker for the Hawkeyes and also starting at cornerback at various points. And I think they're going to project him as a safety hybrid type. You know, he I, I've heard people invoke the name of Honey Badger when they're talking about Dijon. And he intercepted five passes last season and set a team record with three returns for touchdowns. We saw a guy who had three pick sixes in it this past year go in the first round. That was uh, Malcolm, or that was uh, Forbes from uh, from Mississippi State. Is it Malcolm Forbes? Draw a blank. Uh, Emmanuel Forbes. Forbes. Ah, I'm so. Sorry about that. Emmanuel Forbes, one of my favorite guys, actually. So I have no excuse for forgetting his name. But um, he goes in the first round after having three pick sixes um, this past year. And also as a freshman when he was at Mississippi State. So um, we see that that's, you know, that kind of, those kind of ball skills are valued. And Dijon is a differently built guy than Forbes. Forbes was uh, 6'2 and 166 pounds. And uh, Dijon is listed at six one two oh nine. He definitely looks more thick. Like uh, like I said, he he played uh, kind of a hybrid linebacker position for them at times. So he's built more like uh, Jabril Peppers when he was at Michigan. Um, but this is a guy who can run. He's he's running all over the field. If you've watched any Iowa last year. He's probably the most exciting guy on their team, especially on their, at least on their defense. Their offense was really nothing to write home about at all um, when their best player was a tight end, right? But uh, Dijon also is a special teams maven and, and he can return punts, he can cover kicks. And it's going to be interesting. He's going to have different value for different teams, right? Because some teams are going to view him as a safety, and some teams are going to view him as as a you know an overhang defender, and some are going to view him as a cornerback. So if he can run sub four five, I think he's going to get a shot at corner as long as his arms aren't super short, and I don't think they are. So really good ball skills, eight pass breakups as well last year, and three tackles for loss. So he really just did everything for the Hawkeyes on defense. Next up on the list for me is a guy that, well, you can call him Johnny, um, but he now goes by Jerzon, and that's Jerzon Newton of Illinois. My first senior on the list. I, neither of your guys are seniors, correct? So far, I have no seniors, but I do have one coming up. Yeah, so my first, so the first senior on either of our lists, we do have a couple. So, you know, we, we have fun. But Jerzon Newton, uh, 6'2", 280-pound interior defensive lineman, the best defensive player on a, an improving Illinois defense, right? Uh, oh, wait, Devin Witherspoon was there too. Um, but, you know, he he's a guy at the interior that gives you a little something. Uh, he led he led the Illini in sacks last year. He led them in tackles for loss last year. I'm actually surprised he didn't declare. Uh, but you know, you, you watch him. He's a guy that played over 600 snaps this year, 61 tackles, 14 tackles for loss, five and a half sacks, three passes defensed, which is, you know, again, he's only six, two, but that means he knows, you know, how to get in those passing lanes and then two fumble recoveries, a guy that's literally improved every season, exactly what you want to see from an interior guy. 
I'll just be interested to see where he ends up overall in terms of the 2024 class, because, um, you know, he's probably a little closer. I, I, I'm not going to say he's going to be athletic, but he's probably a little closer to like Kalijah Cansey in terms of, uh, in terms of style than he is, you know, obviously like a, a, a guy like Jalen Carter who came in at 315, that'd be, you know, 35 pounds for, for Newton, but he's been more productive, you know, in his, in his, career than what we saw with Carter, but he's also playing a lot more snaps uh, because he can stay on the field. So you see him as as like that in, in interior pass rusher, that penetrator at yeah. the three technique, like can see. Um, do you, I'm curious, do you have any athletic numbers on him? Not that I could find. Okay. So that's something to keep an eye on because certainly, you know, can was a freak athletically, but yeah, again, you you mentioned that, but the production here at and five and a half sacks is strong coming from the interior, especially if you're not talking about necessarily a first round guy. Um, I'm curious to see how explosive he tests. So they said he was a four nine five guy at. Um... And they had him at two ninety five as well. Yeah. But so a sub, right? A sub five at two ninety five. That would be you know ideal, obviously. And I know, uh, yeah. I don't know if you're looking at the same thing I'm looking at, but that's uh, NFL Draft Buzz is projecting yeah. that. And the thing too is uh, Newton is not going to be twenty one years old until the end of August. Right, so he'll be a true senior. Like right. he's not, he's not a super, super, super senior that's 24, 25 years old like we're growing accustomed to seeing. He's a legitimate four-year. He's going into his fourth year. He was a young man um, just turning 18, when, maybe even 17. I don't know when their school calendar starts, but he was a young man when he started uh, his career in college. Year number three. So... Here's where I, I have a senior, and it's a familiar name. Everybody's going to know this name, but I wanted to talk about Bo Nix for Oregon because, um, and this is why I recommend subscribing to the Patreon because back way back on bonus episode 12, which was uh, three years ago, right? Or two years? Uh, it, was, it was way back. <laughs> Let's say two years ago. Um after our 2021 uh, draft, anyway, uh, we talked about Bo Nix. We had a good laugh about a take, a hot take about Bo Nix that was from uh, Jordan Palmer, who was saying that uh, Bo Nix would be the number one pick in the draft. And we had Emery Hunt on the show that on that uh, particular episode. And we were talking about him having a grit game and, uh, you know, having some of those Heisman moments. and we. We were talking about why uh, the Jordan Palmer take was crazy, but just crazy enough that it might happen. Now, I don't think Bo Nix is going to be a number one pick, right? But one thing is Bo Nix has transferred from Auburn, and then he he goes to Oregon last year, and he throws for over almost 3,600 yards, and he throws 29 touchdowns, and he rushes for over 500 yards with 14 touchdowns. and he is coming back to the Ducks, and we've seen over the past several years, especially the last two, where the NFL doesn't seem so worried about drafting quarterbacks that are going to be 24-year-old rookies. Uh, we saw it with Kenny Pickett uh, two years ago. We saw it with Will Levis this year, although he Levis did slide into the second round. But he's expected to have a, a legitimate shot to become a starter there. That's Bo Nix right now, right? He he's he's a little smaller. He's more like Pickett size wise, but I think he's probably giving credit for being more athletic. Although Pickett was plenty athletic, and I think Nix has a better arm, and definitely a tough guy. It's not outside the realm of possibility that Bo Nix is is actually two years after Jordan Palmer's prediction going to be a you know first round pick. I, I wouldn't take him in the first round. Uh, you guys know how I feel about the drafting old quarterbacks in the first round, but I wanted to mention Nick's because he has had a career renaissance for the Oregon Ducks, where 
in Auburn, he was this former big shot recruit who, who never clicked for, but he was extremely successful as a college quarterback in, in uh, Oregon last year. I know Jim Nagy wanted him for the senior bowl. If Knicks had come out, you know, Nagy has a lot of pool with um, NFL teams. They NFL teams for better or worse, love senior bowl guys. And Bo Nix is almost certainly going to fall into that category. He's going to be a senior bowl guy. If, and there's no reason for us to think he won't have another big year for the ducks. Number four on my list is a, well, another big 10 guy. <laughs> but, Best you know, conference in college football, <laughs> aside from the SEC. SEC. Yeah. So there's only really two conferences. Wait, you had another big 10 guy? Oh, wait, sorry. He's ACC. Sorry. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good. You got me excited, but I'm looking at the list and yeah. So this one is Oronde Gadsden, the second, the Syracuse wide receiver, who, again, another guy that, you know, from his freshman to sophomore year had a big jump. He was in the 2021 class. Do you remember his dad for the Dolphins? Uh, yeah, I do. Okay. You're not and that young. No, no. I just remember. And, and so that's the thing is, you know, a good name, a guy that, you know, comes from NFL bloodlines and a guy that put up really good um, numbers as a, as a true sophomore. I I think he was only 19 or 20 this year um, in a Syracuse offense that was not, you know, great at passing the ball. Garrett Schrader's not bad, uh, but he's more, you know, he's a, he's a better runner than he is thrower. Right. Um, and he led the, led the team in receiving by almost double the next closest guy, uh, next closest guy and had double the amount of touchdown receptions. Gadsden's really impressive because of two things. Obviously I just talked about the, uh, the production, 969 yards, six touchdowns on only 61 receptions. So over 15 yards per reception, barely just under 16 yards per reception. But they list him at six five two ten. Um, NFL Draft Buzz has him as a four five guy. Again, we'll see if that bears out. But if and they've, they've even got him, his school lists him at two sixteen. Right. So if he comes in at six above six four over two hundred and five pounds and runs a six five or a four five. Man, that's going to be, and this is another Florida, you know, Florida boy up, you know, going out and doing stuff. He's a super talented guy. I'm really interested to see, uh, you know, his dad, like you said, played uh, for the Miami Dolphins for five or six seasons. Uh, you know, it'll be really interesting to see. I Do you think he regrets not going to Penn State? Um, I don't think so because he's the what he's done at because he's at, he, like he's, he's the, the man, man at Syracuse, yeah. yeah. And the, and now people are talking about him as a potential first round pick. So I think they you know they almost built an offense around him right now at Syracuse as far as the passing game is going. Um, isn't it interesting? They the Syracuse website actually lists him at tight end, and if you look at his usage. They, the way he was used, they essentially call him a tight end there. So obviously right. you would think, of, you know, for a guy with that build, that's a flex tight end. That's a, but th this is, uh, remember Kyle Pitts went in the top five a couple, just a few years ago. And um, Gadsden's kind of built like that. He's not 240, but you remember when Pitts came out, he's 6'6". And so at 240, he looked super lean. Gadsden's uh, just a hair uh, shorter. He'll probably be, you know, 6'4 and change. But um, he's a he's a wiry guy. And he, like you said, he was only 19 this year. He, he doesn't turn 20 until June. He is a young guy. Um, I think he's going to be highly sought after. I think he's going to get a ton of targets this year. He's going to be highly sought after. Um, and again, 
it doesn't hurt when your dad was a pretty good professional player too. Right. Anybody that comes in with the, the genes is impressive. Um, I think, you know, it's one of those things that people just don't understand. Um, you know, even a five-year, six-year NFL career like Gadsden had. Um, by the way, he f- for three seasons, he averaged o- over 750 yards a season. Like, he... Sorry, seven hundred forty-four yards. I don't. I don't want anybody to call me out. And five t- and five touchdowns a season over four. His first four seasons, he was a twenty-seven-year-old rookie. So, like, you know, he's a guy that really, really did a nice job. And he, you know, obviously his work ethic and, and stuff is has found its way into his son. And really, yeah, he was you know, an undrafted guy out of Winston Salem State. So. Right. So. And now his son is is a highly touted player. I mean, an undrafted player. Uh, I I don't know. Uh, maybe you recall this. Did he spend some time in the arena leagues or something? He must have. Yeah, yeah because he didn't he didn't crack the NFL like Seth said until he was twenty seven years old. So, um, and it's you know interesting to see this uh, his son. You know, it it says uh, you know going back to Ronde Gadsden. Senior, he was not picked in the uh, 1995 draft. Uh, apparently, they, they thought he wasn't fast enough. And then um, he bounced around. He actually played in the World League of American Football. So this is going way back. <clears throat> he did play in the, in the uh, AFL. And then finally found his way into the pros with the Miami Dolphins. So, um, and, and immediately had an impact. Immediately had an impact. So, um Interesting career path for father, and it seems that son is going to have more of a straight shot, more of a, a potential early round landing spot as a pro prospect. And uh, if you watch Gadsden, what he did last year was pretty impressive as a 19 year old. As I say, Gadsden the second, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, your fourth guy. So I'll stick with the receiver here. Or I guess a true receiver, not a, a hybrid receiver tight end. But Malik Neighbors, the wide receiver from LSU. And it's another year, another LSU receiver that we're talking about. We've had um, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Terrace Marshall, um, Keishon Boutte. All of these guys have drawn attention from NFL scouts. Uh, although, you know, Jefferson and, and Chase seem far and above more successful than the, their, uh, the guys that followed them. But neighbors seems like more back to that level, right? That, that uh, he's going to be a first round pick or early round pick at, at least. Uh, he's six foot one or six foot 195 pounds. He got 72 passes for over a thousand yards last year, just three touchdowns, but I actually saw him in person at uh, the Citrus Bowl when they were playing Purdue, and he completely torched Purdue. I know Purdue was playing the B team. Uh, a lot of their top prospects had already decided they were going to sit out and, and go, but those guys were mostly on offense. So Purdue, which had a pretty solid defense in the Big Ten, their defense got lit up <clears throat> by Malik Neighbors, and I think he's going to be a, a player who – <clears throat> runs around a four four forty, uh highly productive guy, and he also won't be twenty years old until July. My final guy is gonna be super boring, so I apologize ahead of time for that. But you know, I tend to look through the lens as we've talked about before of, of Arizona Cardinals and this is a guy <laughs> I don't know, that... I think Twitter will appreciate this pick. <laughs> and this is a guy that got injured uh, last year in what was just a disastrous year for Texas A&M. But as a, uh, as a true freshman, he played, um, and he looked like a guy that was going to be great. Uh, we've seen a number of, you know, Texas A&M offensive linemen get drafted early. Um, <clears throat> he looked like the next guy. And then he, the injury happened. So we'll see how this turns out for, for Bryce Foster, their center. Um, he is a 
he's now listed, you know, at 6'5", 325 pounds, which that's just massive for a center uh, these days, right? Like, I was going to say, that's enormous for a center. Uh, you You have to almost project him to guard. And he's a guy that looks like he's going to uh, be a potential, you know, day two uh, interior offensive lineman. It's hard to project those day those guys as day one guys, right? Um, but man, he he's done a great job uh, as a as a guy snapping the football. Um, and then you look at it; he's uh, he's a guy with that's a was a high level shot put and and discus athlete at i believe he was at katie high school or taylor high school in katie texas uh so you know these big schools in in uh texas where he's able to to be one of the top guys i think he'll be a guy like jay said he might have to move to to guard but you know if a team that has a a guy like uh you know, like a Josh Allen or even a uh, a Justin Herbert take him, you know, you could potentially keep him at center. Um, I don't know if Bryce Young or Kyler Murray could take snaps from him. <laughs> I just think with these giant guys like this, like you, you almost, um, I don't want to say you're wasting him at center because it's it's such a valuable position calling, you know, the protections and and things like that. But um, when you have a guy that's six five and over three twenty, if he's decently athletic, I feel like you'd want him at guard just so you can kind of get more out of him. Um, whereas the centers are usually kind of more playing, you know. And correct me if I'm wrong, Seth, but even the athletic centers, you're you're not straying too much. You're not you're you're kind of still in a phone booth compared to the other positions along the line, right? Um, with a with the big guys at guard, you can kind of, um, you know, get them out in front in the second level and pull them more often. You don't see it as much with the center. Maybe I'm missing something when it comes to scheme, but I mean, it just depends on their athletic traits. Honestly, some centers, you know, like Jason Kelsey, they do utilize in pulls, but you, mm-hmm. you know, he's kind of unique though, right? And he's also small. Right, he's not your point. He's not a massive guy, right? So I, I've seen, I see that with the smaller centers, but with the the bigger guys, you you just kind of want them, you know, covering up those big space eating defensive tackles too. Dude, it's hilarious to watch these guys on twenty four seven when they're playing both ways, because (laughs) like whatever side of the ball they're not playing on, you can tell that they're like a D one (laughs) prospect because. It's just it's just so funny to watch. I always think of when I you know uh when I'm watching uh a, f- a couple of years ago and these are two guys that aren't on our list but I was watching um Ohio State's recruiting class a couple of years ago that had Travion Henderson and Jack Sawyer in in uh their recruiting class and Henderson of course the running back and Sawyer is a, a defensive end and uh you, if you watch those guys highlights you know Henderson was playing running back receiver cornerback and he's you know, he's catching passes deep as a receiver. He's getting picked sixes as a corner. He's uh, Sawyer is playing um, wildcat quarterback for his team yeah. and running for like 80-yard touchdowns. It's it's absurd when you have like these ultra, ultra-talented players and you watch their high school tape. It's so funny to see because, you know, as good as a lot of high school kids are, you see the massive difference between the ones that are going to the next level and the ones that that are going to go to college and, um, you know, end up working for working in an office. Like me. Exactly. (laughs) So who's your, who's your final guy of the day? Okay. So the last guy I want to name after I just dropped, did you notice I just snuck two Ohio state players in that I wasn't talking about? Um, both draft eligible by the way. So keep an eye on, on, uh, Henderson who I expect to have a huge bounce back year. After being injured last year, he had a foot injury, played through it, and took a lot of heat. He's going to be good. He's going to be back this year. And Sawyer, we expect he's probably going to make a, a, a leap. Don't you think, Seth? 
Yeah, I I've been kind of waiting for him to take that next step. I know we waited four years for Zach Harrison; it never happened. But uh, I I swear Jack Sawyer's going to do it, right? <laughs> anyway, I'll go with another powerhouse school and another hot shot recruit and a guy who looked fantastic as a freshman, as a true freshman, who's now I believe a senior, and that's Malachi Moore, the defensive back from Alabama. And Moore was the guy we thought was going to become the star of that defensive backfield. And it actually turned out this past year that it was Brian Branch. And even though Branch fell into the second round after being touted as a first rounder, I still think Malachi Moore has more athletic potential. Am I crazy? Yeah, I mean, I think he's Yes, I'm crazy. Well, you are, but I think he is more athletic. I think so too. Okay, and and fair on both points, but um, he looked like he was going to be a superstar after his freshman year. He had uh, three three interceptions and six pass breakups, and he looked like the guy that Branch turned into. But it hasn't quite clicked for him now that Branch is gone. Are they going to revisit Malachi Moore and, and try and put him back in that role and let him? Be the guy that runs around, makes plays. Right. And that's what, I mean, that's what makes when Branch didn't get drafted in the first round and people are like, you know, uh, questioning it. It's something that we talked about with like Isaiah Simmons and those guys. Branch ran a 4-6, man. Well, there's that too. But like when they don't have a position it makes it really difficult because if they're not overly athletic as as you're saying um then how do you how do you project them forward right. and that's what you have to look at with branch whereas like we're saying with malachi i think he's going to test better it doesn't mean he's going to be a better player but i think he's going to test better which makes him, you know, a a guy that can you can project a little easier in those senses. And I just think that he's, you know, I'm not sure what, uh, why he kind of fell off after that freshman year. But I remember you, you and I, and and Kyle Posey, our, our good buddy who works for Niners Nation. We we were talking about Malachi Moore that year, that freshman year that he had, and saying like, this is the next stud defensive back from Bama like we really thought that and um, it has not really come to fruition but I still think it's there I still think he he's got a chance and I think now that that playmaker role is freed up um, I hope that he gets a look and and gets some opportunities to to run around and make plays like that like you said that doesn't necessarily make him a great draft prospect um, because we sometimes have a hard time finding a, a, a fit. Sometimes these guys are, are kind of scheme dependent. It takes some creativity. I remember when uh, Jabril Peppers was drafted by the Cleveland Browns and then uh, Greg Williams was their defensive coordinator at the time and spent the whole year playing him like in the Cleveland um, Brown Stadium parking lot. He was so deep at safety, like he had no... Uh, chance to to really make an impact like what we saw out of uh, out of him at Michigan, and it wasn't until really until he went to the Giants where we got to see some of that um, some of that playmaking ability resurface. And it, some of these, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but it seems some of these NFL head coaches get kind of stubborn with their idea of how to use a guy, and, and uh, whereas college coaches maybe have a little bit more freedom to be creative. Um, but I think that also speaks to the overall all uh, talent level of the sport. You know, maybe at, in the NFL, you just can't take as many risks. We have a singular hot take today, um, and it was more of a discussion that is, you know, always going to take place, um, and that's from Jim Nagy uh and and Jim, you know, I don't always know what Jim is doing other than, you know, like you said before, um selling 
his senior bowl guys. And I, uh, I have also said, to be fair, he's very good at it. No, he's fantastic. Yeah. And so I don't, you know, but it's interesting. I don't want to, I don't want to say he was disparaging a guy because I don't know what his take was on this. But uh, Jim Nagy responded to uh, NFL Rookie Watch. Is that is that uh, <laughs> NFL Rookie Watch, which is a um, definitely a great source for news, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's basically it's an account a, that takes a lot of heat for being fake news, for right? Lack of a better term. It basically just takes tweets or things that are said and like clips them and then and then tries to like make news out of it and he said shader is it shader shader sanders dropping nukes many scouts believe sanders is a in quotation marks top five qb in next year's nfl draft class the colorado buffaloes are in good hands first off what is a top five quarterback in quotations mean I don't understand what it, that means. It should what it should mean is that somebody actually said that. So right. if you're quoting that, otherwise you're. I guess it could be sarcastic, like scare quotes. But I don't right. think that's what the, the rookie watch means. Um, I think they're to say, <clears throat> and grain of salt here. I don't. I don't know if they have sources or not. I honestly don't. Um, I don't. I don't follow the account. I've heard it heavily criticized. They often do tweet fairly mundane videos and hype them up as something, you know, spectacular. So I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they know some scouts. A lot of people know scouts, right? So maybe a couple scouts said he's a top five quarterback. That's what I would assume is that um, they're quoting somebody saying he's a top five quarterback. And so when you look at it, you've got, um, you know, Jim Nagy saying the only thing more ridiculous than this, uh, than this post is that eighty six point five thousand follow this account. Where's Jim thing. Nagy punching down, Seth? Well, here's what I was going to say. <laughs> I don't mind if he takes a shot at at NFL Draft Watch with an X. <laughs> um, but and, and listen, the throw from Shadur is. As bland and basic <laughs> That's a what throw I'm <laughs> that we see quarterbacks make all the time. I mean, literally all the time. It's a pro day throw, like for the warm up part of the pro day, right? And so, but I feel like that's I I I'm wanting your opinion. Is it just taking a shot at that account? He's not trying to take a shot at Sanders, right? You know, I don't. That that's what I wondered because uh, my my first thought was why is, um, first of all, Shador Sanders, Deion Sanders' son, who um has played, you know, at for his father at Jackson State, and then um, is coming over to Colorado, so he's making that FCS to FBS Power Five jump. That's a big jump. Sanders, uh, Shador Sanders has been fantastic. Um, at the FCS level, you know, he's been very prolific as a starting quarterback for a highly successful uh, FCS team. So to me, my first thought was, wait, that's not so crazy, right? That's not so, such a crazy thought that a Hall of Fame NFL player's son, who's been highly successful at the FCS level and now is going to uh, a, a Power 5 school, could become a top five quarterback. What does that mean? A top five quarterback could mean a second round pick. It could be a third round pick, right? That's not, it's not crazy to say that. So uh, my first thought was, wait, is Jim Nagy angry that uh, Shadur Sanders is uh, only a true junior and won't be <laughs> eligible for the senior bowl. He can't sell him for his game, but I'll tell you, um, I think it is, I'm going to give Jim Nagy the benefit of the doubt here and say that he is taking a shot at NFL rookie watch, which again, then I ask, why is he punching down? What does he care? What does Jim Nagy possibly care about? Uh, the the godfather of the senior bowl is, I, I think he was just bored. He must have been, because why would he care if some um, 
you know, fake news account that tweets mundane highlight clips is touting a player who's not even eligible for his game. I think he should chill out. And I think his tweet, honestly, kind of the the fact that it it even raises the question of maybe he's thinking he's saying it's ridiculous that a uh, a junior quarterback might end up being a top five player or at his position in this draft. That, that's kind of salt in the earth. It could be right, and right. and I think that's to me that's just kind of he doesn't need to do that. I mean, he like I said, I'm giving this guy credit. He's really good at selling his game. He's really good at getting players that play in his game drafted and even drafted higher than they probably should. But he doesn't need to do this. I mean, just ignore it, Jim. And also, invite for- us to the Senior Bowl. <laughs> I just can't. We can't go. We it's Mobile is a it's a fun time, but it's it's logistically we just can't make it work. Yeah, I'm I'm very busy. So, uh, anything else before we get out of here? No, other than to say I do. Um, you know, I did enjoy the uh, Reese's Senior Bowl days back when Phil Savage was the <laughs> the Godfather of Senior Bowl. But I will say this to Jim Nagy's credit: Phil Savage used to get up there and trash players that that uh, committed to his game, and then wouldn't uh for whatever reason had to bow out or or um you know make other arrangements or decided it wasn't right for them jim Nagy does not do that and i will give the man credit for that he is a uh, a true um diplomat of his game and i think that is worthy of respect but i would just suggest that he please lay off um you know just kind of twitter troll trolling kind of things like that <laughs> people like like i would do <laughs> like right like come on man let me leave the uh bashing of nfl rookie watch to uh the original draft breakdown podcast okay exactly chill jim <laughs> that'll be it from us tonight we'll be back later this week with another episode for our patrons have a great night everybody We need to do an outro at some point. That just something kind of what I hear in other shows is where they're like, uh, you know, uh, subscribe and give us a five star review. Sign up for our Patreon. It's two dollars a month for our bonus episodes. Four dollars a month for all additional content. Something like that. Yeah, we should work on something like that. That could be it right a, there. A read. Yeah, that's it. Right there. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs>